I've loved the last few weeks because I've been in the like in podcasting mode, which I like. I really like being in that mode. I like finding people to interview. I like performing the interviews. I like uh, editing the interviews. I like doing all this shit. So it's a lot of fun. It's been a really good last few weeks. Also, we've got lots of interviews scheduled coming up in the near future, like down the road very soon, actually. We're going to be hitting the road, Stephanie and I, traveling around California, recording some podcasts. So it's going to be a lot of fun as well. Maybe this is the first time that you've listened to the podcast, or maybe this is the first episode. Welcome. We welcome you. Congratulations. You found the Energy is Love podcast. Now, where can you download? Where can you listen? Where can you subscribe? Where can you share? How can you tell people about it? All those wonderful things. It's really easy. Go to our website, energieslovepodcast.com. Find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook page that is super awesome. It's it's okay. It's just a Facebook page. Nothing fancy. And follow me on Instagram as well if you want. But as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for telling people about the podcast. That's how it expands and grows. On today's episode, I got the opportunity to interview the founder of the Park City Horse Experience. It's Alejandra Laura. I'm just going to pronounce it that way because obviously that's the best that I can do given my lack of ability when it comes to speaking other languages and having a beautiful accent. But it's Alejandra Laura. We'll just call that good. She does a wonderful job in the episode pronouncing her name the way that it should be pronounced. Anyways, I came across Alejandra online and I was blown away by what she does. I've had a lifelong passion for horses. Horses are one of those things that I've always loved when I see them in life, when I see them in movies, when I get the opportunity to actually see them in person. Um, I'm a huge fan of horses. However, I've never really had that much experience uh, with them throughout my life. So Alejandra is an equine specialist and with her organization, with that Park City Horse Experience, she does a ton of things, but at the core of it, it is equine-assisted learning, basically. It's kind of a, it's kind of a different take or perspective on helping people find paths to healing, basically. Helping people find paths back to themselves. Helping people deal with, cope, manage, express, connect with, all the different things that people try to avoid connecting with. And she uses horses to do that. They're a wonderful animal, obviously. They're a wonderful animal, but they have the ability to really connect to a person if the person is willing. And in the process of doing that, the horse will help aid you in the pro- in finding out what is really going on, <laughs> what is really at the core of some of the issues that you face. I got to experience this firsthand When I went up and met with Alejandra, we spent a little bit of time before the interview and she facilitated this beautiful experience with one of her horses where I got to get inside the, the, the round corral and work with the horse for a little bit. And I loved every, 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 every minute of it. I talk about it in the episode so you'll get a better idea of what it was really like, but, um, needless to say, I highly recommend it. If you've never had that type of experience before working with a horse, I I would recommend seeking her out. If you don't live here in Utah, I would recommend just seeking out anything that is in relation to like horse therapy or equine assisted learning, any of that kind of stuff, because it's pretty damn profound. 
but some of the things that Alejandra specializes in, um, she does work with veterans. She does a lot of work with veterans, actually. She'll have like family events where you can come up and bring the whole family, corporate team building. She'll do, she'll do like meditation circles and yoga, all sorts of different stuff. But the at the core of all of it is the horses and the horse's ability to help and the way that they just do it naturally if we open up to it. So I won't ramble on too much longer. This is a wonderful episode. Keep in mind, we did record this episode outside as well. I wanted to record, it was a beautiful day, but I wanted to record outside because I was in a super good mood, great energy, and I could kind of keep an eye and watch the horses the whole time, which just made me really, really happy. If you go to parkcityhorse.com, that's her website where you can find out about everything that she does, and she does a ton of different stuff. A lot of opportunities for people to work with these horses in a variety of fashion and different ways. So go to their website. Obviously, we've got the links in the show notes. You can go to their Facebook page or on Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And if you are interested at all, I highly recommend reaching out. But thank you very much, Alejandra. It was a beautiful time. Thank you for the experience. And everybody now sit back and enjoy this wonderful episode. You are going to love it. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the Love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. <sighs> Big deep breaths. We're ready to go. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. I'm so incredibly peaceful right now. And far different than it was on the ride up here. Mm -hmm. Not that I wasn't chaotic or anything like that, but I was a little scattered and a little disconnected. And in the last hour, that has all faded away. And I feel incredibly peaceful and present and calm, as well as like this well of excitement in my belly mm -hmm. that I absolutely love when I have that. So thank you for facilitating that opportunity for me to feel this way. Thank you for the trust <laughs> <laughs> of getting in there with the horses. Yeah, thank you. it was amazing. And I want to talk all about it. I want to talk about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super excited to talk to you. So the first thing that I ask everybody on the podcast, and it's it's a shitty question, I'll admit. It's a challenging question for people. And the reason I ask the question is because I want, in some way, shape, or form, to help in the bigger grand scheme of things when it comes to the conversation and the thought process and the way that society views this topic. And the topic is mental health and mental illness. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that everybody uh, tiptoes around and nobody really knows how to discuss it openly or honestly or truthfully. And so this is just my little way of hopefully helping in that regard so that the people listening... Same thing like I told you before, like just normalizing things yeah. and people yeah. realize. So the question that I ask everybody is, where do you struggle when it comes to your mental health, your mental balance? And do you have anything that you have ever been like diagnosed with or anything like that? Because I think it's an ongoing thing as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I've never been diagnosed, but now knowing what I know, I know I suffer from anxiety. Okay. And I feel that um, my whole... Um, childhood and teeny teenage years it was I was very much um, in full-on panic attacks and suffering from anxiety and then everyday um, times and so um, 
through the years and through the work that I've, I'm doing and myself and, and learning and how helping others um, really uh, horses have helped me with, with this. Um, they calm me down. Um, just being in presence of them, um, I feel already, right? The <laughs> breath starts kind of calming down. So it has been a lot of work to really, um, to practice to be in the present, not that future or that past where I start getting, right? But I know that, um, and it, the funny thing is I work with so many people. A lot of people is diagnosed and a lot of people are not diagnosed. And I'm telling you, a lot of the times it's the same things. Yeah. So I think that we are all at some point suffering from something. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I like to talk about it because everybody likes to think that everybody else is normal and they're the weird one or that there's something wrong with them and that... Do you know what I mean? They're broken in some way, shape, or form. And it's like, no, everybody is struggling in some way. And a lot of times, one of the main ways that we all have in common is with our mental health and the way that we can sustain that balance. We're going to have to combat the wind. I really wanted to record outside and it's going to be a little breezy, but that's okay. So if it gets super breezy, just get closer to the mic and hopefully that'll help. Um, So you said earlier in life when you're like child and Mm -hmm. teen years... You had like full-on panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what that felt like at the time? Heart racing, sweating, cold, feeling like I was like, uh, I hate, uh, what's the name of the the big, you know, like roller coasters when you're going down. Yeah. (laughs) That felt, you know, that feeling of like you're going down, 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 down. And the the pit of your stomach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just out of control. Not, nothing. And tremendous fear. At what point in your life did you think it, not necessarily, because I think you have to have awareness of something first, right, mm-hmm. before you can actually start to work on changing it or even working with it. Mm-hmm. So at what point in your life, even though it's kind of challenging to pinpoint, did you start to do that, where you started to bring awareness to it, realize it, recognize it, and then start to work with it so that you could bring some balance back into that space? And I would say it, and um, it is... When I actually started pursuing this this field of equine assisted learning or equine assisted coaching, people call it different things. After I read a book that put uh, a lot of words and meaning to questions that I had, I started pursuing um, what is this about, and um, I started going through my own sessions, um, and I realized, wow, <laughs> I am. I can bar- I'm barely breathing, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm in a <laughs> survival, you know, flight and uh, state of breath, and my mind is racing everywhere, I'm not in my body, and therefore, the mirror of the horse is showing me all these things, and there is definitely no connection. So, it was a huge um, mirror of what was happening with me, and because I really want to connect um, to horses and to myself, I realized, wow, um, there's a lot going on here, and I'm going to have to be compassionate, even though I wasn't compassionate <laughs> at the beginning. Now I know that that's what it takes to be compassionate about each one of these little things that we have to work through. When you say compassionate, do you mean like to yourself? Like to you yourself. Have to have that compassion for yourself? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's struggling, right? That's super hard. <laughs> yeah. Cause we want to, sh- you know, we want to be perfect. We want to be the perfect picture for the Facebook post or, yeah. you know, um, and some people, I think, you, you know, we're all struggling with something and people, some people are really good at mask it and some others were not. And so it is just in that being compassionate to be, it's okay to feel what we feel. Yeah. Feelings are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your last name. I forgot I was going to ask Lara. you. Lara. Alejandra Lara. Okay. I'll butcher that. When I get done recording these and I put the episodes together, there's like an intro to mm-hmm. the episode. I'll, I'm going to butcher it, but people can listen and then get your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me how long, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in Chile, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I just want to know about that. I want to know about not your whole life story, but tell me about how you got to where you're at today. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I, I do believe that our lives is all just steps into a ladder. <laughs> you know? yeah. One thing leads you to the next, to the next, to the next, a preparation to the next thing. So I grew up in the south of Chile. It's an area that is full of volcanoes and lakes and very green. I grew up in a ranch and for actually my parents were at a party and some friends of them asked him hey which school are your kids going to and they look at each other and like oh shit (laughs) we forgot to put our kids in school so a lot of our uh, my years were just wild in nature horses part of my everyday life and um went to a german school and then we moved to the big city, Santiago, the capital. And, you know, life happened very quickly. Um, I have a son, Sebastian. So he happened in that in that period. And then, um, so I grew up in, under the dictatorship, of Pinochet dictatorship. And um, after divorcing uh, Sebastian's father, I um, met the man, my uh, former husband, who brought me here to the United States. So he was a skier, ski uh, person that went from following the snow pretty much. And um, that's how I made it here to Park City, following the snow. <laughs> following, that's how a lot of people come to Park City. Yeah. How old were you when you came here? 24. 24. <laughs> Excuse me. Was it a culture shock in a sense? I yeah, mean, definitely. Culture shock. I did not speak the language. I went to a German school. English was like the third language after Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, the movies, you think you know. Yeah, okay, cool, and all the things. I could understand more than speak it. So um, when I came to Park City, it was a culture shock of no, not knowing anyone not speaking the language, so not being able to have conversations, not being able to do anything or work or, you know, just nothing. So um, that was, again, getting in touch with, um, I think I went to in a deep depression of knowing that, wow, now I was, I was someone and then I'm not no one. And I started volunteering at the National Ability Center here in Park City and their equestrian program thinking, well, I know how to speak horse, so I will um, volunteer. And it really was the bridge, horses again, bridging between feeling like nothing to 
wow, now I'm helping other people and I'm helping through horses. And through that, I started being able to speak better English and started to get into the community. How big of a role have horses played in your life? You said earlier you grew up on a ranch mm -hmm. and that, you know, a lot of, before you started going to school, it was just kind of wild and crazy. You got to do whatever you want as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Were horses a part of your life at that time? Oh, yeah. I, like, I would take my horse first thing in the morning and come back at nighttime. It was in those times in, in life where parents were not so worried that you're going to get kidnapped or, you know, and the ranch was big. So I would just take off all day. <laughs> What was that like? Like, I'm envisioning it, and I'm just like, that's exactly what I would want my childhood yeah. to be like. <laughs> yeah. You learn a lot about, um, you know, yourself, I guess. Um, you know, and the horses, again, I, they took care of me. There were so many times I did wild things. I would fall off, and then I would wake up, my horse licking my face or <laughs> <laughs> waiting patiently for me. But just... The sense of just being or laying down in the grass, looking up to the trees. And I swear this, those are the times that I could actually even leave my body and um, travel. Or I didn't know at the time, but it was listening to the horses eating the grass and just the quietness and just being connected. So m my struggle happened when we actually moved away from that. Yeah, you lost that connection, yeah. huh? It's one of those things that I think we, especially when we're kids, it's so innate in us, right? You like to play outside, you like to run around, you like to get in the dirt, you like to be connected, not just to nature, but into that bigger, beautiful ball of mm -hmm. energy that everything is connected through. And then as we grow up, it's that thing that just happens sometimes, most of the time, where we get that disconnection. Yeah. And then it's fighting to get it back and, and find it again. Well, the, what, what I feel most, you know, I would say scared about is so many kids are growing up without knowing that there is that, that there is that connection. And so the connections are being with um, an element, you know, that there's, or the relationship is with this, um, the game or the TV or something like that and not... They haven't had that groundness to be able to be in nature. Yeah. Yeah, you see that all the time. I've got four kids, and luckily they all somewhat kind of like the outdoors. They go through phases, I think. When they were little, they liked it a lot more. Um, but it's so surprising. Recently, I took my uh, son. He's 12 years old. And him and I just went in for an overnight camping trip mm -hmm. up in the mountains. So it wasn't anything fancy or anything. It was just him and I, a tent, some tinfoil dinners, really basic. Yeah. And it was, he took his phone with him mm -hmm. because he wanted to be able to take pictures. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's fine, right? Obviously, you're not going to play games. You're not going to use it. But if you want to take pictures. And he completely forgot about his phone. <laughs> and it was like maybe 30 minutes before he's running around barefoot. Right. And just completely lost in that connection and into, into nature and into himself. And it was so beautiful to sit back and like watch. Yeah. And just see him relax and like get to be himself. He wasn't concerned. At one point, too, it was really funny. He was telling me how it would be much different if we had brought the girls because he's got older sisters. <laughs> and he's like, it'd be so different if they were here because they'd be yelling and like, Asher, don't do this and don't do that. <laughs> and, and the whole time, he just got to be free and relaxed. Beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. And, you know, and those are memories that really you never forget. He would never forget that. You know, Tim Foyle is like the most yummy dinner. <laughs> and 
everything tastes good outside. Yeah, he bugs me all the time. He's like, we got to go camping again. I'm yeah. like, I know. Yeah. We do. <laughs> got to figure out how to get back up there before it gets too cold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we have a snapshot of who you are to some degree. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the horses. <laughs> because I, j- I shared with you a little bit of my connection to horses in general and how much... God, I don't even know. It's so hard to describe and explain because I don't have a lot of context for it other than just always having this deep-seated thing of like not just wanting a horse but just wanting to be with horses, next to horses. I told you how I grew up in a small town and we didn't have horses and I didn't really have anybody like, you know, friends of mine or anything like that where we could just go borrow their horses or Mm -hmm. go out with them when Mm -hmm. they took their horses out. And there was a point in my life when I was a teenager and everybody had, you know, big farm fields on the yeah. outside of town and they would let their horses out there to graze and put them out there for pasture. So I went into the, one of these big fields one time <laughs> with the intention of riding one of these horses. <laughs> and I mean, obviously completely like, don't do that. You know, right. that's not your horse. That's not your <laughs> property, but I'm young and I'm stupid. And so I go out there and I had watched enough movies that mm-hmm. I figured out how to make a bridle yeah, wow. with just a rope. And so I had this all figured out and I eventually got one horse that at least let me get up to him and start to like, you know, he didn't immediately run away and I got the bridle on him and I was super excited about that. And then it came time to get on him Yeah. (laughs) and I have no context of how the hell to do that without like stirrups or something. In the middle of the field. Yeah. So it was a nightmare and I eventually got him up over to the fence Mm. to where I could try to climb on the fence. And then I barely make it up onto him just enough for him to trot off and me. I didn't come flying off. I didn't get hurt or anything. But it was like just enough for him to be like, yep, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> and he leaves. And then all of them just like took off to took the other side riding. of the field. Right. They're like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. I don't know who you are or what you think you're doing. <laughs> but um, part of it was like I remember it fondly as a good memory in my head because it ended terribly. I mean, nobody got hurt or anything. I didn't mm. hurt the horse. I didn't damage anything. But it was like this opportunity for me. It's like I was telling you earlier where everything stopped. Yeah. And it was just me and the yeah. horse. And it was really neat to at least get that far mm. with a horse. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And I never tried that again because I think in the back of my mind, I knew obviously it was a terrible idea. <laughs> and if anybody had caught me, I would have been in a huge amount of trouble. But talk to me about if you could... I don't even know where to go with this. I don't even know what to ask you because I love horses and I loved the experience that you just gave me and that you facilitated, we'll Mm -hmm. say. And I guess we can describe that to give people some context in regards to what you do as a whole because you do a lot of different things, but all of them kind of center around working with horses and people and incorporating them together so that people can... Sure. So let me like answer the kind of, I think, Maybe the first part of this question mm-hmm. is that... I'm glad you could figure it out because I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. So, um, you know, in the past, uh, mythology and um, thousands of years ago, horses were consulted as oracles for kings and queens. They have been, they have had in the, um, in the history of man uh, a place of something that actually some you know a a sentient being that has messages for us and so people for thousands of years have been felt very close and and, uh, um, 
admire their beauty, their power, but also this extra sixth sense that they have. And in the last few years, I've, I've been in this road, in this path of horse, you know, path of horse as a teacher for about 17 years. And it has exploded. I mean, people from all walks of life feel a call to come to horses. They maybe felt this love for horses when they were kids, or now they're dreaming about horses, or they're feeling some kind of pull towards horses. And this, I'm going to go crazy here. <laughs> but I do feel that horses are coming back into human consciousness to, to give us a message, to... Yeah, and the message that I am trying to figure it out and I'm, I'm doing through the work that I'm doing is uh, uh, to get back connected to ourselves, to our own senses, to feel like the horses do, to, to be completely in, on this earth. And from there, with that intuition that if we are open and grounded, then what's next? So I feel that that's what is happening and at, at a bigger level, that we are all feeling a call to this presence of horses and horses as teachers. So from, from that um, kind of like the ground level, I have had the opportunity to, I started 10 years ago a program at the National Ability Center after they opened the doors to me. <laughs> as a participant or as a volunteer so long ago, um, I started a program, it's called Equine Assisted Learning, that is kind of the term that now the field of horses teacher has kind of come in agreement to to call one type of this work. So at some point, um, because I've been there from the very beginning on this field, um, they wanted to call it something that if you say, hey, I'm a firefighter, you understand what they do. Yeah. <laughs> so... They came up with the term equine assisted learning, so I called the program equine assisted learning, so everyone would eventually know what <laughs> the hell was this about. And what had happened is um, a few months after, I started getting groups from Desert Storm, big groups of militaries, boots in the ground, with uniform, full on, 25 guys in the arena um, coming for a program from the VA with the, with the intention to have a training between being at war, war and then coming back to their communities. So they would come to do these um, exercises, uh, activities, or sessions with the horses with, with that intention. So it, it all happened kind of magically that, you know, I was at the right time, at the right place, not knowing what the hell I was doing yet, <laughs> um, with the with the need, the need was there. So it never stopped. I'm still working with militaries in a weekly basis. I have, we work at the National Ability Center with over fifty different types of uh, military groups. I have um, I have military veterans that have been working with me for three years, and they're just growing in themselves and and their horsemanship skills. Um, along with uh, many other populations that we work there. So 10 years of that has been a lot of uh, working with a lot of trauma very closely. Um, combat trauma, you know, all kinds of uh, trauma that happened from being at war or um, military sexual trauma and or having lost limbs or 
or another term that is actually kind of new and in the field is um, a soul injury from having had to do things that uh, go against um, your most inner values. Um, so working a long time for that, I needed another avenue of, I needed to go wild here. I want to do more shamanic, more energy work, more, or, or be able to speak more openly about it. I want to ask you this first, because mm -hmm. that was one of the things I wanted to talk about was the work with the military and with the veterans and mm -hmm. things like that. So to the lay person, to the person, because I can, like, like I told you, I, I looked through all your stuff. I went through your website. I went through all this different information, kind of researching you. And it all made perfect sense to me. But to the lay person, how is somebody that, you know, is coming back from, from war, a veteran or something like that, that may have some PTSD or some traumatic experience that they've gone through, how is them working with a horse going to help that? Right. Great question. So um, the first clarification I should do is that we all we do the work all on the ground. So it's not a riding lesson. So you're not on the horse, you're not doing Hippotherapy, what is usually people call um, horse therapy or something like that. So we work on the ground with now eye to eye with the horses and mostly with horses at liberty, meaning the horses don't have anything attached to them. So we are now not making them do things for us. So the whole per the whole idea or one, one of the concepts, basic cons concepts of this work is that horses are prey animals. And as a prey animal, they perceive the world and they respond to world to the world from the perspective of, can I be safe or do I need to run for safety? And us, the humans, in this equation, we are the predators. So a military person trained to go to war, trained to kill, and um, having had to be in a combat zone or having to be in combat, their um, nervous system and their whole body and mind, it's wired to do that fight response. And now we put this person that is in fight response <laughs> with a flight response from a prey animal. And the idea is that if we can create a safety enough and connection with those two things, with the flight, you know, fight to bring it down to... I need to be able to breathe, I need to be present, and I am. my nervous system starts calming down, then the horse feels that, comes in, connects, and now we have a, that whole person that has been trained to kill, a nervous system ramped up to a place that coming back to normal community life, uh, civil you know, life with civilians that are not at that, yeah. you know fight instinct so it's a transition to kind of again see it from the horse's perspective i'm going to be dealing so many times i mean i mean i've heard these thousands of times wow i did not know what i was doing to my wife or how i'm being with my kids and how i'm communicating with them and what they're seeing in me and now after working with these horses i can see it it's beautiful yes um, okay, I didn't mean to cut you off. So you said you did a lot of this work with veterans and everything like that, and then you had to find a way to uh, branch out and be able to communicate more of what you wanted to be doing with shamanic work and energy work and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, well, it comes from, you know, I see that is so much is happening. Yeah? And many times I could, 
I know that there's energy and the horses are doing energy work mm-hmm. uh, with people. Also, they're, they're responding to cues and oh, a lot of other things. But I needed a way to kind of explore more, go a little bit off the, you know, the, the, the box and find an avenue to invite other people to come, shamans and, and energy workers and Reiki workers and, you know, music players and and just go um, express energy in different ways and see how horses what they do with it and that's has what is the park city horse experience um, avenue of exploring energy with horses and just being creative what's your favorite part of that because it seems like that's kind of like a huge like pandora's box in the sense where there's tons of things there that you could do right yes what like yeah that's a nice question um favorite thing would be i've been kind of like the only witness of what i do because i don't on uh, my sessions for the last 10 years and almost 5,000 participants coming through it's a very intimate work and you know i don't we don't have spectators people don't come and <laughs> you know watch yeah. you <laughs> um we couldn't get any anywhere with that you know <laughs> we couldn't get authentic so has so much has happened that has been in kind of in a under closed doors or behind closed doors that I'm super excited now to be able to share it with more people and see how horse the horses that I know what they can do or sometimes they still surprise me that wow you know when when we do this combination of things wow they do that as well so it's kind of like a Pandora's box in a sense there's so much more happening and all of it, I cannot understand it, but we, there is energy being um, shared and um, the, the part of compassion and love, loving kindness and community is kind of what is coming up from all of this. That's a common denominator. Mm-hmm. What are some of the coolest things that you've seen happen in, in your work with people where, do you know what I mean, without divulging anybody's right confidentiality know. yeah of course but so um just a couple of weeks ago a lady comes in um so the an ad in the paper okay there's going to be horse meditation circles what the <laughs> hell is this <laughs> this is crazy i'm going to come with my you know her son was visiting from london so they kind of went to do this thing so um I do a whole uh, kind of process outside of the ramp and before we go into the horses and pretty much with the intention to become present with ourselves and before we go inter- interact with the horses, we want to know what's going on with us. What are we bringing to the relationship? So I do a little process there. Um, so she's like, oh, okay, la la la. <laughs> then we go in um, to sit in our chairs for the meditation and the horses are loose in this uh, corral, it's a ramp pen. And the moment she sat down, two horses beamed straight line from the end of the corral straight to her and stood both of them um, by her chest. And she immediately started bawling. And they stood there for about 20, 25 minutes. She um, started saying, "I, I cannot believe they know my broken heart. They know that I am so sad my husband passed. And um, a couple of years ago, and I didn't know how much sadness I still have, and they know it, and they're helping me with it. 
those kind of things happen all the time that the horses pick up on this internal something is going on the person is you know smiling to you you know, as a human you you know sometimes you can perceive something but the horses are sharp and they know and they feel it and they connect do you ever have um i don't want to say negative experiences but because the horses are so able to uh, pick up on the energy and perceive things. What does that look like when the person, cause that's what I was wondering when we were working. Um, I was wondering, like, it was kind of, when I say it was fun, it was very, very fun, but I was curious in my thought process as I was sitting there trying to connect to the horse to feel their energy, but then also realizing how foolish that is. And I just need to relax and let the horse feel my energy. But I was thinking about how that could go wrong right mm -hmm. how how the horse could react negatively or in a um uh like a flight kind of way or something like that yeah. where they're right. protecting themselves from what they're feeling at the moment like what does that look like sure. when somebody comes in and i have and a couple of examples so i um, one of those first um groups you know like the big guys um 25 guys again coming back probably you know from base somewhere you know um to a base here in um, utah and then coming straight in a bus to this thing with the horses so i have them all were outside of the arena and i think i had about five horses loose in the arena and this is before we even go there and the horses started they all the herd start running around the arena crazy you know to the point that i'm okay they can get hurt you know and these yeah. are working on you know horses uh in the therapeutic riding facility they cannot get hurt and here they are running like crazy so i lined up everyone just get on the fence looking towards the horses and i start leading them through you know breathing and um soft gaze and top to bottom body scan and as the, we are doing that and the whole the all the humans you know the well, the, the troops, I guess, you know, we can call it. The horses started coming down, coming down, coming down until they're, you know, chewing and licking and <laughs> relaxed. And it was, you know, again, again now I know it's just, that was the peak of the session. We didn't even need to do anything else because all the people on the horses were in that moment that we could see what happened. Yeah, what we were bringing in and then if we become very grounded, what could happen so yeah we did go in and we did a bunch of things but that's how a big visual of something that could have gone really wrong um a few sessions ago i had a group of uh, in recovery i am working with about six different recovery centers for drug and alcohol and there was a group of um, men they, they separated the women one session and the men the other session and what ended up happening is that the horses really never connect. They didn't come in. They didn't cooperate. Um, even the whole, you know, like I had nine guys trying to move the horses, you know, move them away with energy, walk on or, you know, clapping. Yeah. The horses wouldn't do anything. So what it came out for when we processed this and when we discussed what, what is going on, what is this about? So for them, they said, well, they know we're just bullshitting. Hmm. We're really not, you know, we're really not engaged in our healing and in our recovery. And they know it. 
that's pretty profound, right? Because you'll have a lot of people, I'm assuming, and uh, going through like recovery or going to you know some sort of program where their goal is to get clean. And it's like every adage that you hear, like, you know, the, the person that's the alcoholic or the drug addict or something like that, they're not going to get clean for anybody else. They're going to get clean for themselves and nobody can force them into that space. And it's going to come at the time that it comes or it's not going to. And so that's really kind of profound to think that, I mean, we should almost just use horses to, you know, <laughs> like they can tell, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a huge biofeedback yeah. right in your face. Non-judgmental, honest, <laughs> you know, in the moment... That is very humbling. It was a very humbling experience. But also, um, and, well, I, I, I want to believe that that's the first step in realizing, okay, well, this is about me. This is my bullshit. You know, nothing is going to move until I move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. What else? Like, have you ever had a moment where, um, like, you got nervous, you got scared because of what was going on or how the horse was reacting or responding to the person? So there is always that potential, right? Um, there was one time, um, and this is... So in this work, we talk about that the horses are expressing the energy that is in, in their environment. Mm-hmm. So that energy can be in us. And I was working with um, a woman, beautiful, gorgeous you know, business woman. And I was working with two horses and they, one of the horses started really from nothing attacking the other one to the other horse. Um, Biting, chasing him, kicking both, you know, legs out. And I had to pretty much immediately, you know, cut it off and take, um, the one horse that was being aggressive away off the off the ramp, and and so when we discuss these, when we we pro- process, um, she said, "Well, that's exactly what's going on with me. I just I cannot show it. I'm not allowed to show anger. I have not. I, that was not okay in my family. It's not okay with my husband. It's not okay at work. But that's how I feel inside." So for her, um, breaking down and, you know, in tears and um, really deep emotion because she could see what the damage, what the damage could be. Yeah. How do you, like, do you think that any horse can do this work or do you pick specific horses? So I have had the opportunity to um, present in different conferences around in the country. I go to different barns. Um, I've helped people start their programs, especially military programs. I go to New York and work with um, veterans. I actually leave next week. Um, I work at the ranch in Camas. I work with my own horses. And I, I must say that my experience is any horse could do it. I do not, I wouldn't recommend anyone trying to go in a pen with a abused, uh, traumatized horse and put a traumatized person right, you know, yeah. together right away without knowing, um, do you want to know a little bit about the horse, you know? Uh, and if they're in a therapeutic riding facility, okay, they're, they have gone through a lot of process <laughs> to be able to be accepted in the program. But, um, Mustangs are also pretty amazing for this work because their flight instinct is so a tune, you know, and so um, powerful. But again, you have to have um, someone that, that 
understands that horse and what they're putting together. So when you were working with me, you were talking about some of the horse's body language. And is that something that you just learned, obviously, throughout your life, I'm guessing? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some of those things you can pick up on, I think, you know. But, th I mean, you, you can't really, right? Like, for me, I have a, I have a really strong connection with dogs. Mm -hmm. I, I used to have um, huskies. And I used to mush with them in the wintertime and everything like that. And so I got really, really, really connected to my dogs and could just obviously tell mm -hmm. not just what they were feeling or, you know, but by their body language a lot of times. And I'm not that attuned to it when it comes to horses, just simply because I, I haven't had the experience. But give us some of the, because it was fun listening to you tell me some of the different things like this behavior is represented, you know, it's a sign that obviously the horse comfortable is comfortable or something like that. What are some of those keys, some of those, yeah. some of those things that yeah. horses will display? So again, in this uh, type of work, there are different ways of facilitating um, an, uh, an equine experience. Um, some models are absolutely not about, don't say anything that is going on. So if the horse is shaking in front of the person, it's not about the horse shaking, but what does it mean to you? What is this, this shaking? So there's a lot of you know, metaphor and value on that. Um, I work either way, depending on what's going on. And I do believe that giving a little bit more information about what the horse is showing through their nonverbal language, through their body, it gives hints for the person to kind of connect what is going on inside of them to what is being shown outside. And so then we start kind of creating again that, um, wow, if I do these, that happens. And if I do it again, oh, wow, it's happening again. So to create that connection of understanding, um, you know, so that's when I was saying, so a horse, taking a deep inhale and an exhale, and I do a lot of these horsey lips. <laughs> and I make everyone do it. I don't care. You know, just do it because it's it's just that's how the horse, you know, does it. And if you do it with total body awareness and like releasing that tension from the shoulders, from the neck, you know, you can't, you cannot have a straight face if you're doing it. So you're kind of smiling, so releasing, you know, tension from that again. So it's a whole parasympathetic activation of oh, relaxation. And if you feel it, guess what happens to the horse, right? Yeah. And if the horse is doing it, I invite every, all my participants, you do it too. That connects, that makes the herd, you know, connection. The horse wants to know that you, oh, you're with me. Okay, you hear me. Yeah, you feel me, right? But we all want that with each other. Um, low head, um, high head, and big eyes is an alert horse, is a scare horse, is a horse that is determining, do I need to ride, uh, run for safety? Um, what's the situation? But a low head, soft eyes is a horse that is saying, ah, everything is okay. The chewing and licking of their lips. Right, and it's also another. It's activating their vagus nerve in themselves. Is is when we maybe, you know, um, we might 
put cold water in our face or some people touch their hair, you know, what anything that you do to kind of calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that the horse will be doing with the chewing and licking. Um, farting, <laughs> a releasing. Uh, horses have a very delicate um, digestive system where if they get tense and things are very scary and tense for a long time, they can actually suffer colics and even die from them. So when we're digesting, and even for people, right, our emotions are digested in our stomachs. It's about oh, everything is moving, nothing is stuck, and so they release a fart right at the perfect moment. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pooping, and, you know. So we see all the, their body expressions as a as an answer to what is happening in their environment. (coughs) Excuse me. Is there something right now that you're not doing with horses that you want to be doing? Like some other avenue, some other um, experience that you want to help create and facilitate? Mm -hmm. Is there something else right now that you're... uh, Like what would be... Because my guess is you're probably living your dream by and large for the most part, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is one other example or maybe one other avenue that you want to go so down? So I've been working very intensely all on the ground. And my um, I want to par- partner up with the right people to do this because I know the potential. and I mean, I know how deep this work is <laughs> just mm-hmm. to be right um, um, from the ground, but I wanted people people on top of the horses, but not in a riding lesson situation. This is a therapeutic experience, a somatic experiencing, especially with women that have suffered um, sexual trauma. And so now we're putting, you know, the most vulnerable area in ourselves and, and for men as well. And we're opening our legs and sitting on top of this huge animal so a lot of triggers so i want to partner with the right people to help me facilitate this healing through the movement through the trust through the warmth through the connection yeah i could see how powerful that could be so i want to take the last little bit um i want to talk about my experience to give it to give somebody a um an idea, I guess, a first-person perspective of mm-hmm. what it was like. Um, I came up here and I met you, and we chatted briefly, and then, thank God, you just took me into your backyard where your horses are. And I didn't know what to expect. I had an idea of what to expect. And, like, literally all you did was um, threw a rope on one of the horses and had me lead it over to, what would it be like? The, the round pen. Yeah, the round pen. And then take that horse inside of there and you take the rope off. And then it's just the three of us inside that round pen for a little while. I didn't know what to expect. I had ideas. That was another thing I wanted to talk to you about was like, obviously my intention, right, was to do something and (laughs) not even really knowing what the hell that was and having to let go of that intention. But what happened was after a while, being able to fill the horse and connect with the horse but then more importantly, there was a mo- like, a t- like, like I'm going to stutter here, but there was like a, there was a moment where it felt like the horse felt me, mm-hmm. where I could feel the horse initially maybe a little bit. Um, but then there was that moment where it was like the horse felt me. Mm-hmm. And after that moment, then it was like, oh, 
Like I felt much more relaxed and at peace and she did a lot more things, not necessarily that I wanted her Mm -hmm. to do. Like, you know, it wasn't like me having her perform tricks or anything like that. Um, but she was much more receptive to me Mm -hmm. and was much more able to follow me or, um, be steered or directed in one way or another. And it was really, really neat for me personally to have that experience. You know, it was just a nice little snapshot, I'm sure, of what the big picture is that you do. And what it did for me was it helped me see right now, present moment, where I'm at. And not just in the sense of, you know, feet in the dirt in this round pen with this horse, but in my life and what I'm doing and where I'm going and what I want to be doing and how important it was to let a lot of that shit just go and to be more, um, I don't even know if more relaxed is the right word, but just more, uh, clear. Hmm. And she was such a good reminder of that. Mm-hmm. And you did a wonderful job as well. That was the other thing. Cause even though I was present in the moment, there was still this part of me that I wasn't analyzing or anything like that, but I was observing you as well, right? Mm -hmm. I was watching to see what you were doing Mm -hmm. to a certain extent and see your process. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. Like you did such a wonderful job of guiding me through that experience of providing me some information so that I had some context and some understanding, but then also stepping back and letting me kind of cluster and fumble through some things in a sense. Mm -hmm. And like, I was very, very, (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't surprised, but I was very, very pleased at how, like, I, I've told this before, like I had this guy on this podcast a few um, weeks back, I don't remember how many episodes ago, but he's a stand-up comedian, and I was talking to him about how, because what he was talking about was how he'll get up on stage as a stand-up, and he has to fill the room out, mm-hmm. he has to be able to fill mm-hmm. where the room's at, right, meaning mm-hmm. the crowd, and then he has to be able to decide in the moment if he can go this way or if he can go that way or maybe this joke isn't the best for this experience or for that experience and over the course of his set that energy will shift throughout the crowd and i'm sitting there listening to it i'm like dude like you're just an energy practitioner right you're just up there as a stand-up comedian you know not controlling the crowd but working in the space of that energy and so there's so many parts of life i gotta get a drink because my mouth is getting all dry (laughs) Where I believe that obviously everybody has that connection mm-hmm. and everybody has that ability. Mm-hmm. And I think the beautiful thing that the experience with the horses is, at least for me, it was like a really clear reminder of how innate that is, right? And how easy it is to slip into that. And a big part of it is letting go of all the other stuff. I told you how it was like, you asked me at one point how I was feeling or what I was thinking. And it was like, I came here with all of this um, stuff yeah, and I couldn't remember what the hell any of it was yeah. in that moment. Right. I was just sitting there thinking about the horse and wanting to feel connection and wanting to, you know, be in that moment. And um, so that was the first one. And then we had just a brief moment with the other horse. Mm-hmm. And you asked me, like, what did he feel like? Yeah. And that was really neat for me because he felt like I used to feel. Hmm. He felt like um, 
like, like how I used to feel. I used to feel like that, I think. And, you know, whether or not that's how that horse feels or whatever, or he was just providing me the opportunity to recognize that I don't feel like that anymore or right. whatever the case may be. Right. But the, the, the tension in him and the, um, fear and some of the nervousness and some of the, uh, anxiety and like just bottled up mm -hmm. rage in a sense almost even though he was standing still yes mm -hmm. like all he was doing was standing there in the mm -hmm. corner wasn't really moving at all mm -hmm. and it was very i think had we gone into that uh pen first with that right. horse i it would have been a completely different right. experience obviously but having come from that calm peaceful energy and being able to get centered and grounded and connected and then stepping immediately into mm -hmm. that space, it was palpable. It was very easy for me to feel like, oh, this is what he's feeling. Right. And then I'm familiar with that feeling. Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like. Like, relax, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> you, you know, you're safe here. Yeah. I'm fine. Everything's okay. You can let your guard down a little bit. And that was really, really neat to experience as well. I can't thank you enough. Oh, like, <laughs> thank you. Well, um, again, resonance. Right? There is a resonance there. There is something that is happening at a, at a energetic level. This is no words. No, it's not even thoughts. It is an energetic level that you felt him and you knew. And how he actually followed you. Right? He... I told you he's he's a new horse for us, and um, I'm pretty actually impressed that he allowed you to just totally pet <laughs> him, and, and then he followed you. So there's a resonance of trust as well, right? So um, thank you for being willing and trusting um, to to give it a try, and and to being willing to talk about it. Um, I am honored to do this work. I want to do it for the rest of my life. I want to get the best I can to facilitate people's um, healing. They have facilitated to me, you know, horses, and I want to be able to provide this space for others. Well, I think you're doing beautiful work. Thank you. And I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast, for sharing this experience with me. Um, like, I'm so excited because now people will get to hear even more you know, that's the other cool thing is that um, people who have never heard about you mm -hmm. or maybe never even heard of this work or this type of work before now get the opportunity to hear about it more and see it more. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I do want to say I, I did talk a lot about trauma, you know, and but anyone can come and explore what's going on right now. What is the one thing that maybe, you know, I don't not sure where to go next. I'm not sure... What am I even feeling about these? You know, so there is just anything can become and, um, you know, you can come and explore it with the horses because it, it really, it, we didn't even talk about all the physiology benefits that just being by the horses happens to our hearts, to our hormones and to our nervous system. But they put us in this coherent space that when we do get into that coherent space, we're able to see things clearer. And so the invitation is there for anyone to come and explore. Well, as you bring that up now, it, I mean, it very much brings your brainwave down into yep. a different level, right? Yep. Like it's the same, I shouldn't say it's the same, but it's, it, you'll get the similar sensation and feeling um, after meditation mm -hmm. or 
um, yoga mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same sensation and literally all your, you know, you're opening up and being in the same space as a horse and yep. that's it. Yep. Like, you know, we say that's it. I say that's it. Right. But the reality is that's a huge thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It has such power and magnificence. Yeah. And to it, it actually starts in our heart. Yeah. The coherence starts in our heart and then expands to the <laughs> brain, you know, to our brain waves and yeah. to our hormones and to the nervous system. Yep. Well, what's your favorite part about horses? Oh, I love their smell and their softness. <laughs> and then they can, um, they can, you know, challenge you. You know, they can be totally calm with you and the next thing is like, okay, let's do something, you know, uh, just that their personalities and their moods. And then there's, there's feeling, you know, they're there, they're so, um, they see you. So it's an, a beautiful, if you want connection, <laughs> you know, if you're not, if you're not feeling seen or appreciated for who just you are not what you do, what you have, none of that. Of who you are right now, come and spend some time with horses. <laughs> you will be felt, seen, and felt. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What's your website so people can find you? Parkcityhorse.com. And that's the easiest way? Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Alejandra. Thank I appreciate you. it. A pleasure. Thank you. We're all struggling with something, and people. some people are really good at mask it and some others were not and so it is just in that being compassionate to be it's okay to feel what we feel in this work we talk about that the horses are expressing the energy that is in in their environment people from all walks of life feel a call to come to horses our lives is all just steps into a ladder. You know? yeah. One thing leads you to the next, to the next, to the next. A preparation to the next thing.